Hey guys, welcome to the number one podcast in all of the world. Um, I would say so. <laughs> I'm saying it. I can believe it. No one else can. I can believe it. Um, <laughs> let's talk about UFC 262. It's a chilly morning here in the uh, studio. But damn, we were, because we were blessed yesterday with a terrific uh, main card. Mm. I, f- For starters, the uh, uh, let's talk about the right from the very beginning, like, of the war, even the walkouts were so good. Like, did you notice that Michael Jandler was playing NF music, mm. and then NF made a little mix for him? But it was, play. but it was like his own little remix with exactly, yeah, his uh, own "See You at the Top." Yeah, I liked comes it. Out. I liked that a lot. And then, like Oliviera comes out, and everyone's literally standing on their feet. And then, from the moment the first bell goes, those two just charge at each other, and then. Like straight away, Oliviera goes right for that leg kick, and then Chandler goes down. Like, oh shit! I thought it was going to be over right there. Well, Chandler took the center of the octagon right, just like that. Yeah. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to back Oliviera up and put a lot of pressure on him. And as soon as the bell went, <laughs> just just sprint sprinted over and 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 got into the middle of the cage. Um, and then he got well. He only lightly touched his ass on the ground when he got that leg kicked out from underneath of him, but. He obviously had a lot of weight on that front lead leg, and Olivia was like, "All right, okay, boom, hmm. kicks I'll it. take that leg." Well, because he had a, quite a wide stance, he he opted for quite a wide kind of karate stance and mm-hmm. and a f- very low center of gravity. Um, fuck, that was so good in the like in the first round. I wasn't too. I actually went oh 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 because I thought Michael Chandler was actually going to knock out Olivia. Yeah. Um, it looked very reminiscent of the Dan Hooker fight where, you know. They're in almost in a curled up position, and Michael Chandler's just continuing to hit him, hit him, hit him, bang, bang with that right hand. But um, Olivia did really, really, really well of just you know bobbing and weaving, just using head movement, and then basically just to survive, he just pulled guard. Yeah, because he, he was that hit got he was bleeding from in the commentary. Yeah, it, it was on the right side yeah. of, the, of his face. I don't know. I don't. I don't actually know which blow it was that actually opened that up, but he essentially just opted to pull guard because it was just to look after himself because then he could just use his legs for to yeah. keep him at bay. And yeah. then the, the tide turned in that second round. Well, the tide turned so much throughout the whole fight. It was one way than another, one way than another. Like Very exciting first round. Yeah, like uh, Chandler comes out, gets leg kicked, okay, knocks knocks Olivia down or not really knock out but enough to get him to pull guard mm. then fucking Chandler makes a mistake of exposing his back to Oliveira yeah and Olivia had almost about three three minutes of just control from the back but then it got reversed yeah. by Chandler because Chandler's just uh, as soon as there was like a little bit of space a little bit of space that he could turn he was explosive turned around reversed it um, no, it was such an exciting fight because that that first round obviously was going to go to Michael Chandler, um, although it was very strange. I think one judge apparently made it a ten eight, and I was like, "Was it though?" If Charles Olivier had his back for like three minutes of the fight, anyway. Um, ten eight. That's a bit of a. That's a bit of a. I thought it, I thought the whole the whole point of it being a really good round was it was incredibly competitive, which yeah. means it can only ever yeah. be a ten nine. But um, with the f- second round. Damn, it just it just changed so quickly. Livio just caught him and just had I just put him away. Hook. He's got he's got very crisp shooter box um like 
technique. It's very crisp. And uh, you always tell that the commentators appreciate it because they're always going. It's always very crisp. There's there's never any, like... He doesn't really, like, force shots. Yeah. And it's always very efficient. Everything's got to be where it is. You know, it's n- nothing's out of place. He's being efficient with his movement. I, I just... Uh, I think the shooter box fighting style plus his really good Brazilian jiu-jitsu is just... um. It's a really good combination. And I think, I I don't know how this goes. I mean, I'm really happy for him because apparently when he was young, he was told he had really bad um, arthritis in yeah. his legs. And apparently he was told, um, you know, walking and doing sports probably, you know, wasn't going to be a major option, right? And here he is now the UFC lightweight champion of the world, which is arguably the most stacked weight division ever yeah. in the UFC. Yeah. Well, if, what is it, seven of the previous champions are in the top six of the lightweight division. Mm. And mm. If, if Khabib was still around seven of seven, that's why. You know, um, and I just wasn't expecting, like that second round again is deadly. We talked about how deadly that sword well, is going down. Prior to the fight, you predicted Michael Chandler would win by second round KO because yeah. you said there's something about that second round. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I think that's true. I think I think that first round, although they can be really competitive, they're like almost downloading little bits of information. Then they do a major switch up in their game plan. Mm-hmm. And then that second round is deadly because it's like they've, they've gotten comfortable. They've gotten used to their opponent. Mm-hmm. And then they they start to pour it on a little bit more because there's not really the strategy of taking a bit easy in that first round to make sure you don't gas in those third and fourth and fifth. Yeah. And that second round, that's when they can go up a gear and put and and start timing their shots a little bit more and put a little more power into those shots. I I thought it was it was such a good fight. Now I I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting what everyone was going to, you know, who's going to fight who next. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really sad that Justin Gaethje is just left on the side. and Well, well that's good that you brought it up because that could be next for Chandler, really. Yeah, I, I, originally I wanted him not to fight for the title. Um, I wanted him to fight Gaethje and then mm-hmm. have a title shot. And a lot of people were quick to say, oh, Chandler doesn't deserve this, but it was more timing-wise. Like yeah. if, if McGregor and Poirier wasn't happening and it would be Poirier versus... Charles Oliveira, which I think would be a really good fight yeah. as well. But um, I think the overall consensus is Charles Oliveira, uh, Oliveira fights Dustin, the winner of Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. Um, and Michael Chandler fights Justin Gaethje. Yes, that's, Th- uh, that's 100% true. Yeah, and then you've got Benny Darius, and I don't know I don't know who you would have. Um, I don't know who he could fight next. That, that's in the future. Because he's taking time off now because his, his child is one is uh, is due next month. And he yes. said he wants to take some time off to be with his family. I reckon what he'll probably end up doing is fighting the winner of Gagey versus Chandler. But the thing is, the question I've got to ask uh, right now is, well, there's two questions. One, do you think um, Ariel Hawani c- cursed uh, Chandler? Because there's a thing right now going around called the Ariel Hawani cur- uh, curse. Oh, but there's the Chael Sonnen curse yeah. as well. <laughs> the Chael Sonnen curse is actually my favourite as well. But Ariel Hawani, every time he does an interview with one of the fighters this year, so far, as part of like a lead up to the UFC, yeah, yeah. they've lost. 
He did it to Adesanya. He did it to McGregor. He did it to Stipe. He did it to Marcel. And now he's done. But the, but the thing is, he interviews like everyone. Yeah. He like, you could, he interviews everyone. He, you yeah. can interview like but Kamara that Usman. style that he does it where it's like in the chair like we're doing now on a TV screen. Uh, I get, yeah, I get yeah. what you mean. But everyone is quick to say like, that. I mean... I don't think the Ariel Hawani curse is real, but I really think the Chael Sonnen curse is yeah. real. Because he picked Tony Ferguson to win. Yeah, well, there's three, and he lost. There's, there's three curses, that I pick, well, four curses that I know now. There's the second round curse. There's the um, Chael Sonnen curse, the Ariel Hawani curse, and there's that Versace. Um, oh, the Versace w- robe? Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, that's not good because Tyson Fury was wearing that <sighs> robe and so is... Uh, Billy Joe Saunders. Oh, so yeah, Billy Joe Saunders. And now that we're possibly getting, oh, that's a qu- quick aside. Actually, let's talk about that quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tyson Fury is to fight Anthony Joshua. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be Saudi Arabia, and that's mm-hmm. either going to be. I think it's the seventh. Yeah. They haven't. They haven't fixed the date yet. It's supposed to be either the seventh or the fourteenth of August, yeah. and I think they'll they'll pick a date when when it's possible. But um. I mean, what's your initial reactions? Uh, it's just, I don't know. I We haven't seen neither of them fight for a bit of time. bit of time because... Been a bit in, inactive, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, Joshua, his last fight was against his rematch to Ruiz. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was the beginning of last year when Wilder fought Fury, wasn't it? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, because they still had they had crowds at that point. Yeah, correct. And then, uh, so again, bit inactive. I, I, I do steer towards towards more towards Fury for this fight. I do too. But you got to understand that you know Fury's getting a bit a uh, bit older now. Is mm. in his like is in his thirties. Joshua is still very, very young, and he's improved dramatically since his loss to Ruiz. And I think if he just like sharpens up a little bit more, I could he could take it over Fury. But I still believe that Fury might outlast him right towards those later rounds, because Fury's really good at playing the game and you know like uh, lasting four rounds and uh, making his opponent pay for his slips and his jabs and. Power doesn't mean anyone. We can't really we can't really make the argument of Anthony Joshua and his power because fucking Deontay Wilder had freakishly uh, scary power, mm. and he just put him away. Really, so I, that's why I steer more, more towards uh, Fury. I, I'm super happy about this fight because a lot of people were under the impression that you know all the big heavyweight champions weren't going to meet each other in the ring and it's all down to the politics of boxing which is a shame um because you know some of the promoters get involved and they want to protect their fighter or the fighter is asking for a lot of money and and there are issues of if one's from the america and one's from the uk then you know where are they supposed to go then there's the issue of covid yeah It, it tends to be the issues of the politics and the promoters um getting involved which typically means you don't get to see some really amazing fights, right? Um, I'm really glad that they've they've sorted it out. They've, they've, they're actually going to have, you know, I mean, it's a very elusive date, the 7th or 14th of August. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm glad it got, it, it got, it's been finalized in, in Saudi Arabia. And that might mean that there's an actual crowd, which is an, it would be insane to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, if it can be one of those big, 
big stadiums oh, in yeah, Saudi Arabia. That they have. Yeah, that would be amazing. I mean, I definitely, I think Tyson Fury could could knock out Anthony Joshua. That's what I thought as well. Because just he just he just, he just he just dance. He'll just dance around him. When was the last time we had a, a undisputed uh, champion with a held all the belts in heavyweight? Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember how long ago it was. Yeah, because that's why I think that would make it so special. Yeah. Tyson came close. Mm. He had all the belts at the time, I think. Uh, no, 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 no. He didn't have all the belts at the time. He had most of them, though. Because when he... What's the timeline of this? Because he beat Klitschko, and then that, that was his real big drop-off after that. And that's yeah. when he started getting involved in a lot more into drugs and yeah. alcohol and depression. And, 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 depression thi- and, and, and all, yeah, and all that stuff. Um, I believe around, uh, no, I think he did have all the, he must have had all the belts because Anthony Joshua came afterwards because Anthony Joshua beat Klitschko. Yeah. Because Tyson Fury was meant to fight Klitschko. Yeah. For, um, a, for, for a rematch and that never happened. Yeah. Because he just was like, no. Yeah. Um, well, did you watch the pref- press conference? That that was the uh, beginning of Tyson Fury's demise. Oh, what one was that? Okay, so what happened was in the first, when um leading up to the first uh, Klitschko fight, you know, Tyson Fury, he was the one who loved all the, he was crazy throughout the whole uh, press conferences. Like he dressed up as oh, Batman. Oh, that was when he was in Batman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then what happened was he wanted the second um press conference. Uh, he wanted the rematch and it was meant to be scheduled. And the reason why he didn't fall for it is because that's when Tyson Fury went in a complete demise where he was drinking and he took his shirt off. He took his shirt off during the press conference and said, look, mate, this is what you lost to. Mm. And then, like, big fat man. Yeah, that's what he was going. Yeah, yeah. But he's lost. He looks great now. Definitely it's trimmed down. It was like similar to Anthony Ruiz. Yeah. Um, he Anthony Ruiz trimmed down thirty pounds. And to be honest, talking about people trimming down, I would like Joshua to you know increase the competitiveness of this fight. I would like to see what Joshua do. What he did against his rematch against Andy Ruiz, and he trimmed down. Um. I mean, to fight someone like Tyson, who is very elusive, has amazing footwork, and dances around the cage, which is insane for someone who's like 6'9", and he has really, really long reach. I think for Joshua, it's more... I think it's... He needs to put on a lot of pressure, and he needs to... He just needs to be really, really active in there. Mm. Um and and put Tyson in some really uncomfortable positions. And I think he he looked way better when he concentrated more on being a better boxer than being better physically. Mm. And I think when he trimmed down, you know, he trimmed down a, a little bit and he wasn't looking for as much explosiveness. He was looking more trimmed down uh, as, uh, as a boxer physique. I think that's when, I think that's when his skills started to shine a bit better. Um, so what I'd like to see is when Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua meet, I'd like to see if Anthony Joshua can and trim down a little bit. I still, I definitely think Tyson can knock out AJ. Um, but to be honest, anyone in the heavyweight division can knock out anyone. Yeah. Um, and, and and Joshua's no joke as well. Don't, don't think that because I'm picking Tyson Fury that I think that AJ's, you know, shit, he's not. He's a really, really good heavyweight champion. Um I think notably a little bit younger than Tyson Fury. The, the unfortunate thing I would say is 
the the activeness is yeah. is quite poor. Yeah, and I, that's the issue with politics. And I like that um, what Canelo's been doing. Yeah. He's been he's been changing it up. And I think there's been a different in terms of his like promotion and things like that, mm-hmm. because he's able to instead of just fighting once or twice a year. He's fought three times. Yeah, he wants to fight one more time as well. He wanna, wants to fight one more time now. That That's the way it should be. Because yeah. you can find that, you know, he wants to fight Caleb Plant next. Oh. He's, he's, being, he's being very, very... Caleb Plant. Yeah, he's being Ooh. very, very active. And I think that's that's what we see in the UFC and that's what we see in the boxing ring. The the more active fighter, um, especially when they're like elite, that's when they start to you know, widen the gap between other fellow elite fighters. So it really sucks that the Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua fight hasn't happened because it should have it should have happened probably one or two years ago. Yeah, well, not even that, but one of the things about boxing is that y- you have to wait so patiently to get where you want, you know what I mean? Mm. How long did we have to wait between, you know, uh, Tyson Fury w- first one and Deontay Wilder the second one? Quite some time. Uh, yeah. A meaningful amount of time, yeah. Yeah, but if that were to happen in the UFC, like we this uh, in the next coming weeks, we got Brandon Figueroa, so Brandon Moreira versus uh, Davison Figueroa. They fought in December. Mm. You know that was a pretty quick straight away for the rematch. You know they they don't they don't waste their time. It's the same with UFC fighters. Like um, Dana said, wanted Davison Figueroa to stay in Abu Dhabi on Fight Island mm. for him to fight um Brandon Moreira. So, Again, it's just it acti- it's the activity of them. Uh, and there's one more thing I wanted to bring up with you on the on the matters of the boxing. T- Tommy uh, Tyson Fury's little brother, uh, Tommy, Tommy Tommy Fury. Fury. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake Paul's been calling them out a lot lately. I've seen both on both yeah. ends. Um, I mean, that's a actually a legit boxer. Yeah, as well. Um, uh, he's obviously very young. I think Tom Tommy Fury. Yeah, he was on the uh, TV show Love Island. Believe it or not. Just oh a really? Fun fact I got to throw out there. Um, but it's weird because if you look at Tyson Fury and Tommy Fury, they could not be look any more different. I'm like, the accent is very much there, though. Yeah, the accent, the accents, very, very much there. <laughs> um, but in terms of physical stature, you could not have any more opposite ends. <laughs> no, no, no. Ty Tyson's like very, very tall, um, and he's and he's kind of a little bit. He, he's built like a. Melted ice cream, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and and then the, and there's Tommy Fury, and he's he's built, he has like a you know a decent physique. Yeah, um, I don't like that fight for Jake because mm-hmm. that's an actual boxer. Yeah, and you can't get away from f- away from that. And also, um, I mean, I'd be interested to find what Tommy Fury's weight is. I can't quite think on top of my head, but. I would argue he's definitely Jake's size, yeah. right? While as the other fighters that Jake has been fighting have been notably undersized by about yeah. 20 or 30 pounds. So an interesting fight to see. I think Jake would get smashed yeah, by, get by smashed. any amateur boxer, which is why I think for the pure spectac- spectacle of what he's doing, I think he should continue to fight um, non-strikers. Yeah. If he continues to fight non-strikers, he will have a lot of success. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Uh, now, uh, well, now that because the Logan Paul fight is next month, and what's the date today? Is it the 
Um, May 15th? 15th, okay. Yes. That we're literally like... No, 17th. 17th. We're literally two, just over two, about two, sorry, three weeks away from uh, Logan Paul versus Mayweather. I reckon Jake Paul will probably announce his next fight afterwards. You know, I mean, he's got right this after rolling. He's probably just going like, to keep it rolling as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Jake Paul fight built more fame into Logan's fight with Mayweather. And yeah. then Jake will do the same thing with the Logan versus Mayweather fight. And Drake, I mean, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if Jake just went straight up to, to Mayweather and just like gave him yeah. a slap and then said, let's fight. And Mayweather would be like, okay. Yeah. Um. I mean... <sighs> It, it it's just a circus to be honest. Yeah. It's just a circus. Yeah. Um, it's so confusing. Anyway, back into actual back fighters. Actual, yeah, um, Tony Ferguson versus Benio Darius. Uh, Very um, excited. I mean, I called it Darius by decision. Yeah, I absolutely loved the way the fans received Tony Ferguson. It was beautiful to watch. I didn't like how they were booing Darius. I Darius, know, that was Darius, a Darius is so nice. He's, he's such a, nice, such dude, a yeah. nice guy, and yeah. he's. And he's so pleasant. And even after the fight, he, he said, um, you know, I hope Tony's okay. I wouldn't want anything bad to happen to Tony. And um, it was it was more so on the, on the line, along the lines of, you know, he doesn't really have any animosity yeah. to things like that. He was more a little bit upset about the, the Justin Gaethje comments. Um, what did Justin Gaethje comment? So Tony had said, uh, Bernie Darius, you know, he was calling him out and, you know, saying he was a bit of a bitch for, for helping Justin Gaethje prepare for the Tony Ferguson fight. Um, and because they're a fellow, fellow lightweight, um, and he called him, called him out on that. And Darius said, but I, I'm just helping Justin Gaethje. If you needed help for, for a title fight, I'd helped you too. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just how, how Darius, he's a very soft-spoken, very nice guy. If you saw him on the street and he was wearing like a big jumper and tracky pants and things like that, you probably wouldn't tell he's a UFC fighter. Yeah, I don't um, with him. That doesn't mean he can fight with him. Um, but, but the thing with Benel Darius is he's very close with Justin Gaethje. Um, he was helping Justin prepare for the Tony fight. And the reason was is Justin, so da- Darius actually explained it is that Justin was actually the the champion in is it WSOF? Um, yeah, it was in one of the uh, other division. I know we talk about the other. D- a different promotion, right? And he was he was a, a fighter in that promotion, um, and he said he would used to do grocery runs for him and his wife, mm-hmm. um, even though he you know Ben Darish wasn't well known. He wasn't he wasn't a real you know marquee name. Um, and Gaethje being a you know being a MMA champion, he was still doing you know grocery runs for him. He would help him train. Um, when Darius needed to train for a fight, Justin came in and came in and rolled with him and trained with him. And he basically said, um, Gaethje probably could have fucked me up in those training sessions, but he actually chose to just let me beat beat him up and and to work on my skills. Um, I think there's a there's a camaraderie behind the behind the two. Which should be interesting because whenever someone's asked, all right, who's next? Benil Darius says, oh, like a Michael Chandler, Conor McGregor, da-da-da. He always leaves out the Justin Gaethje. Yeah. He's never said Justin Gaethje. And, and that's what that, that's what makes it an issue for me is if they are such good friends, 
can you see a Benny Darush fighting a Justin Gaethje mm. if they are if they are comrades? It's a bit hard because you know Justin Gaethje is definitely up there in terms of the rankings, and Benny Darush wants to be in the top five, and I'm pretty sure all of the top five, most of them already have a fight booked. Mm. Uh, I um. I think Pernell Darush was the way that he handled that fight was phenomenal. The, but the thing is, Tony, it looked like a repeat of Charles Oliveira to me. A lack of fundamental jiu-jitsu. Yeah, that, that, but that doesn't make any sense. Tony's a black belt from 10th Planet jiu-jitsu. But apparently with 10th Planet, they have a lot of specialized skills that work really, really well. However... There are he, he, Eddie Bravo says himself. There are a lot. There are still holes in the game. Um, I think. I mean, Tony's a really good wrestler, right? Yeah. But and Tony's really good on top. Yeah. But when right. he's on bottom, he, he's he's not he's not the best. Now, well, he does he does really fight well off his back though. He up kicks. Yeah. And the and elbows. And, uh, elbows and as well as triangle attempts and things yeah. like that. Because yeah. there was actually a point where he actually blocked one of Darush's punches from the bottom and just smashed him back with the elbow and his head went flying back and all that. Well, well I mean, Darush just, he was just being really intelligent. And yeah. I told you that, you know, Tony's Tony's body is more well suited for five rounds the way mm. Tony fights, yeah. right? If he was to fight a three round fight and just increase increases output then i think it would you know be a little, little bit more competitive but the issue was skills and i think tony th- there was a few issues in why i picked darius over tony um tony you know didn't take a lot of time off after the justin gagey fight absorbed a lot of damage right um he's 38 years old which is quite old for a lightweight um especially being that he takes a lot of damage right mm-hmm you can get away being a 38-year-old fighter if you're in the light heavyweight or the heavyweight division. True. You can't get away with it in the lightweight division. Yeah. They were the, talking about that. And well. the, the, the sport runs so quickly, yeah. right? Um, and the thing is, you know, they were the other thing was they were bringing Freddie Roach in to sharpen up Tony Ferguson's boxing skills. And apparently Freddie was in his... Um, and I was surprised because Freddie usually isn't in the corner of fighters um like ufc fighters but he was in in tony's corner and i didn't understand why he was there because tony's boxing wasn't the issue last time last time was not his issue with his striking because the best thing about tony's is unorthodox striking it's it's when he got put on his back he was stuck there and is and it's all well and good if he can get a a quick submission but Submissions off your back are not common in the UFC at no. the elite level, right? He did try and set up the Dars a few times. He did. It just looked like he couldn't get it. And it looked like he maybe made uh, Darius a little bit uncomfortable yeah. because Darius actually tried to break the grip and then move off to the into side control, right? Mm-hmm. But the issue is I think the sport is kind of past Tony a fair bit and he needs to change drastically in order to meet the, meet the sport. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the issue with me is kind of he doesn't look right in there. He doesn't look like the El Kukui that fought the Anthony Anthony Pettis. Mm-hmm. That's a good one to remember. The Anthony Pettis and the Cowboy Cerrone fight. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Although the Cowboy Cerrone was quite short because of the blown nose. But if you look at the Anthony Pettis fight, right? I believe there was only two rounds because Pettis broke his hand anyway. Yeah. But that was consistent, flowing, yeah. really high output. And he wasn't hesitant. Mm. I found Tony was super hesitant in the Darius fight. And then he never really stopped the takedown. And then when he get good, did get taken down, he went for submissions that probably wouldn't work mm-hmm. um you know just expending a lot of energy not being efficient and darius actually said that uh um his arms you know looked tired afterwards and he was breathing heavy after that first round so he was like yeah why not take him back to the ground again and that's what he did and that second round that that heel hook yeah that he, heel hook was he, he's and it was deep you could see tony was, was popped I think someone's. I think uh, he said, "Yeah, I felt. I swear, I felt like a pop, a pop in a pop in his knee." Yeah, yeah, yeah and uh, it's fuck. just fucking. He's next level. You may beat Tony Ferguson, but you won't break him. Yeah, you can't that's break. A fair him. Way, that's a very polite way to put it. I mean, yeah, I was surprised. You know, they didn't talk to Tony afterwards in the ring and all that. He's normally would have had something good to say, but. One thing about Tony is like, don't try and uh, hug him or give him a high five yeah, during don't the know. fight. He's done this a few times now. He, he doesn't mm. like that. He's like, nah, mate, let's fight. That's fine. He, and he even did it to Gagey as well. Even at the end of the fight, he pushed Gagey away at the end. He had Ga- Gagey said, being being an arsehole will get you nowhere. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Try to sort of get... But, everyone but, just wants the last laugh. But, yeah, but the thing is with the when it comes to fighting, I mean Benny Arush tried to tried to touch him. I think it was in the intermediary part of the first and second round, yeah. and Tony um, pushed him away when he tried. And because I think Darius was meant to be like, yeah, good round, but but Tony, Tony's Tony's trying to amp himself up and fight as hard as he can, and he doesn't want to be like all nicey nice. He wants to yeah. fight. Then hug it out and have respect later. The same way he had respect for Charles Olivier yeah. later. Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know with Tony. I don't know with Tony because that's, that's a three-fight losing skit. And it doesn't mean he's fighting bums. Yeah. He's fight, he fought Justin Gaethje, interim champion. He fought Charles Olivier, the norm, the, the current uh, lightweight champion. And he's fought Benil Dariush, who was number nine, has now taken Tony's spot in the rankings. Um, so maybe just outside the top five. Mm-hmm. So he's not fighting scrubs, but I fi- I think to avoid retiring this way, yeah, I think Tony needs to take some time off. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I got to ask now: How much time do you feel like Tony has left? It's difficult because I think 38 years old, he's probably got no time left. To be yeah, honest, yeah, I feel like because. He's 38, he's lost to the top-level competition. I can't... Here's the thing. I don't want him to fight anyone below where he is and then he loses to them and it makes his streak, even, sorry, his record even worse. You know what I mean? But he's coming out of... He's, he's certainly out of his prime. Now, yeah. the, the issue was, like, when he was in his prime, he didn't have the ability to... to uh, Gain that UFC lightweight belt, and that wasn't his fault. There was a lot of politics involved as well as, you know, tripping over fucking... Yeah. Um, I mean, the main thing with the Tony fight is... And I saw a lot of posts about it. We know how the Habib fight would have went. Yeah. 
Yeah, everyone kind of knows if Khabib and Tony fought today, we sort of know how it would have gone down. We can't. We know like ninety percent. We, we, we know ninety. We can predict. Uh, I mean, fairly well. But just because that forward grappling style, where there's no the, there's just it's just pressure. However, if Tony fought Khabib like they were supposed to bef- when the pandemic was going on, mm. could have been a totally different fight. But here's what. I I think I do find that stars make fights. I just yeah. feel like Habib's. So Tony's kind of kryptonite is being taken down, and it's when they grapple them, but they're not looking to um to move past full guard. Mm-hmm. It's just pressure, and there's no. Well, when he when he was fighting Darius, Darius is a really good Brazilian jiu jitsu mm-hmm. practitioner. And he wasn't looking to advance position, and you know, I think there was was times in the part the fight where he got past position. Mm-hmm. However, just kind of stayed there, right? And that was more so that he was just trying to put heavy pressure on him, so that Tony, Tony's kind of, you know, abilities were negated. And I think that with Habib, I think Habib would have wrecked Tony. Now you only know ninety percent of a fight. Because that other ten percent, you know, a fight's a fight. Things happen. Tony catch catches someone with an elbow. I mean, Tony takes someone down. Tony. Um, I mean, if if Dustin Poirier almost submits Habib by going for a really deep guillotine, what's to say that Tony couldn't um, have a really deep um, guillotine or dash choke, getting taken down by Habib? That's certainly certainly could be you know plausible. Especially when Tony, you know, a bit fresh and a little bit further in his to his prime, mm-hmm. but I think uh, I think we would have known how that fight went. And that's the sad thing because I would have loved to see that fight, but obviously never going to happen. And uh, never, yeah. yeah, just we know the it we just know wasn't the, meant to be. Wasn't meant to be. Yeah, and we knew how it was going to go. Now, and if Khabib probably fought him, probably would have submitted him. Yeah, by, but you he, he would have maybe tried to pull that triangle choke on him like he did to Gagey. And then just I think wait he, I think he would have just mauled him because ta- Tony wouldn't tap. I think he would have just mauled him. I think for just five rounds he would have just smashed. Mm. I think yeah, I think it would have just been the Justin Gaethje fight just on the ground. Mm-hmm. Mauled him. Yeah, yeah. I mean the sad thing with Ferguson, I don't know, I don't know where this goes. Um, obviously, Darius has got a lot of time off. Um, I think he was saying December or next year because his his daughter's being born. He's obviously got to look after his family with Tony. Um, I don't want to say who you should fight next. I want him to have time off. Yeah, I want him to have time off as yeah. well. It, but for both fighters, because again, lower division of competition is just so high that I want, don't want to make sure. It can pass you by. Like, like if the thing, if, if Tony Ferguson loses again, I feel like he should retire. Then that's just my point. I f- and and it's just, just because he accumulates a lot of damage. Yeah, it's just it's four, four, free fight losing streak. Okay, because we, we talked about this in the past. Three fights, sh- if you lose three fights in a row, that kind of puts a question mark on your name. And then if you have four my- fights in a row that you've lost, that's an exclamation mark. Like, you know, like, uh, I reckon the, yeah. the person who's got the biggest exclamation mark on their name right now is uh, Connor, uh, Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone, Michael Johnson. Yeah, those two have got the biggest mark on their name. Anyway, for me, um, when Dana came out at the end of the press conference, he announced that fight of the night was Shane Burgos versus Edison Barboza. I 100% agree I agree. With that. that was an amazing fight. That was so fucking good. That was... I feel like that was 
I thought that was like vintage Edson Barbosa. I feel like that was a highlight for him because he's had some nasty losses and now all of a sudden he comes down to featherweight and he's had three wins, mm. three fights, three wins in division. I feel like we're on to something special here with Barbosa. I feel like he could possibly be on his last run at a title shot. Yeah, I could definitely see that now. Um, and Shane Burgos is just one of the toughest, toughest. Dude, he's things. a beast. He's a, he's a savage. And I'm, I'm not gonna lie, his boxing is so good. Yes, his boxing is good. That um, he he has a brilliant um slip jab that he constantly does, mm-hmm. um slipping off the line. Really, really good jab. So, f- so quick. And his combinations were so fast. Uh, I mean, th- and, and th- there were times when Barboza did a lot of, you know, spinning hook kicks and they were they were blocked by Burgess, but there was some sneaky ones, some sneaky spinning back kicks that definitely caught um, Shane in the in the solar plexus. They looked so hot. But the, the issue, uh, sorry, not the issue, but the, 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 the big... Big highlight for that fight was the five second delay knockout. Oh, I wasn't. I've never seen that before. Have you? No, I've never really seen that before. Uh, no, he would look. He literally, he's so tough that he resisted a knockout. Um, I think also it. Not enough people were talking about Edson Barboza's um leg kicks. Yeah, he was constantly, constantly going for. I, I was confused how many calf kicks that Shane could absorb. I think yeah. he was just tough. Yeah. I think he was just really tough and maybe not putting too much pressure on that front leg. But I think I think Barboza wrecked his legs. Mm. Not even yeah, they were, he was bleeding. Yeah, well he well he cut his own leg, he's cut his own shin on that. Mm. Um but he was just wrecking Shane's legs. And then when that shot hit the money, I think uh I think he couldn't really recover very well i don't think he could put a lot of weight on his legs either and uh he was unconscious like mm-hmm. he, you know yeah he just he tried he resisted a lot but he just he was just started stumbling back yeah. and i th- the main thing for me was when he started stumbling back he was like gonna he was getting dropped right the main thing that i think did a bit of damage was he actually hits his head, the back of his head on the cage. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see him go. Yeah. Go down. And I, I felt it was the hit to the back of the head that did a lot of damage as yeah. well. I uh, I was looking, I was watching this uh, doctor break down the whole situation. He says it's, could have been a, some sort of form of concussion that, but the concussion is always delayed because it varies from person to person. So it was a very, very delayed response from the body. Yeah. We think about the amount of shots that Shane Burgess like absorbed throughout the whole fight. Crazy chin, that, crazy that, chin. But Edson threw some like very fast kicks, like that spinning hook kick, and then Shane just blocked. And he threw some kicks to the body. It was just so well done, and Burgess just kept hitting him back with all these like body shots and charging at him it was just really good fight really good really really good fight i mean i definitely didn't see a ko happening in the third round to be honest i thought it was just the war was going to continue in the third round um damn that was a fucking really good fight i was got i actually thought shane was going to win and edge it out against barboza just because he's fucking tough yeah but um i mean that toughness that toughness only got him so far um against barboza and 
I, I fucking love Shane. Shane's so so good. He's such an exciting fighter to watch. His fight against um Emmett was was really good. That that's the that's one that um that's the one of the fights that really sticks out in my mind yeah. for sure. What was crazy is that it's um Shane Burgess got straight back up. Yeah. Like a, yeah. After that knockout, he was down for about a good minute, two minutes. He just gets back up. He's all good. He's all breathing. He's talking fine. One thing that was scary to look at was his eyes when he was going backwards. It was just shutting down completely. Yeah, it was similar to McGregor looking straight forwards but not really being there. Mm. Um, really, really exciting fight. Very competitive fight. Um, I think a lot of people were thinking maybe it could be a 19-19 going into the third round just because those, I mean, especially that first round, was very competitive, yeah. very very competitive, very back and, and um, Shane was hitting some really beautiful body shots that I thought that could be an issue with Barboza, but Barboza he's got really good cardio to be honest because um, all of those kicks they are high risk high reward kicks, the spinning hook kicks, the spinning back kicks, they're they're very high reward um, kicks because it's not like doing a roundhouse or a side kick or a teep to the body, they're not you consume a lot of energy and when you're in a fight like that you want to conserve as much energy and be as efficient as possible he um he throws a lot of high risk high reward kicks but his output didn't change mm -hmm. um i think i think featherweight edson barboza is is a killer i think he's I mean, already a killer before but um i think he'll really strive really really strive at featherweight He's stacking up a kill streak, three fights, three wins. Who do you reckon he should fight next, though? Mm. Does he break into the top ten now? I think he does break into the top ten because, um, to be honest, I just need to refresh where Shane was originally in the featherweight rankings. I thought he was around nine-ish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is number nine in the rankings, so he he'll naturally break the. Uh, he'll move from number thirteen to number nine. Mm -hmm. um, Look, I Josh Josh Emmett is at number six. Um, I think that would be a brilliant fight, Josh Emmett f against uh, Edson Barboza. Um, I mean, Josh Emmett hasn't fought in a while, to be honest. Yeah, um, well, his last fight was Shane Burgess. Yeah, I'd love to see maybe uh, a Calvin Cater versus um, Edson Barboza. <laughs> that'd be incredible. Um, that would be incredible. And, Ar and Arnold Allen against Edson Barboza. That'd be really cool as well. I think... Um, I think time is. I think the main thing is time is of the essence with Edson. Um, keep him as active as possible. Um, if he hasn't accumulated too much damage, I think try and have him a, get him to have a quick turnaround. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of those timelines, it depends how it meets up with those fighters. But I think he should fight an, again this year, yeah. um, and just have a quick turnaround because look, he's thirty five years old. Mm -hmm. um, he, you know that's. 32 to 35 is your sweet spot in terms of your athletic prime in MMA, um, typically in most divisions. And I think that, I think he needs to have a quick turnaround because time is of the essence. Yeah. Time is of, of Especially yeah. considering he's dropped a division, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I think he's doing really, really well. I mean, 3-0 yeah. three, three in, in, a, in a fresh new um, division like this. When he's like actually a lot more quicker, he looks a lot more quicker. A lot more fluid, a lot more loose. So, I reckon. He's so two and zero. Yeah, two. He said three and zero. Oh, okay. But it's two and zero. 
the Danny Gay fight. He um he got a Danny Gay had a split decision win over Edson Barboza. Most people picked it Edson to win. Oh, okay. Everyone thought an Edson in his mind says three and a. Oh, okay. Mentally undefeated. Okay. Yeah. Mentally uh, undefeated mentally at featherweight. Undefeated. Man, yeah. Um, <laughs> but but to be honest, like it, it's not like he was bad at lightweight. He was a very good lightweight, but I think featherweight, I think that's that's his I think he was a bit undersized, maybe a lightweight. And at featherweight he's that's that's good. That's where he's at now. Mm-hmm. He's obviously in order to trim down he needs n- he has a nutritionist mm-hmm. and he has um a lot of cardio involved. And I think that really helps his output in terms of his striking ability. Mm-hmm. He's really good, man. Like Edson's Edson's world class and I think uh I think he deserves a you know, he'll just crack the top 10. Mm-hmm. Number nine, I think he needs to fight someone just out of the top five. So I think a Josh Emmett at number six would be really interesting. Yeah, it's because Josh Emmett, when he fought Shane, he did his ACL win and his MCL. Mm-hmm. And so that's where obviously it takes some time to quite to recover, but hopefully it comes around. Uh, but now, and speaking of time off, we got Cody Garbrett now coming back. His last four fight was when we had that, pandemic uh first ever pandemic card which was on the gagey versus mm. ferguson fight he is now back to fight rob font uh after because cody garbrett he had a battle with covid mm. and he was you know it was not a, it was it was a pretty hard battle as well his whole family i think his family got it as well yeah and not to mention cody also had an issue with his bicep they thought it yeah. was a bicep tear but it wasn't it was it was something else. Yeah. Um, but he had to take a lot of time off for his arm to heal. I believe yeah. it was his right arm. He's just, he, he's one of those fighters who you look at, their life has just been complete back and forth, you know, because I've read uh, Cody Garrett's uh, uh, autobiography, The Pact, about his history, mm-hmm. background, growing up, and his time fighting, and now he's going to so many fights. There's a lot of violence in his yeah, life. Yeah, he had so much violence in his life, correct. And then, you know, found, he found MMA and Team Alpha Male and Maddox Maple and, you know, that he was fighting for this kid and so he can get on his treatment and the reason why he won the title was for him in the first place. And then now he's lost it to TJ Dillashaw and then he lost to it to him again and then he had lost it to, he lost a fight after then to, who was it to? Cody. Yeah. Um, I mean, his previous fights has been he he beat Rafael Asanzo. Yeah. Before that, it was uh, he lost I can't Pedro remember. Pedro Munoz. Something. Yeah. Yes. Then, yes. Yes. Then there was uh, then there was Dillashaw twice. Yeah. Um, and then the fight before that was a win against Dominic Cruz. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So he's on a three-fight losing skid, and then now he he's on a one-fight win one streak. Last yes. year. Yeah, so he's just back, one of those back and forth. So then you come back from all that time off, you win a fight, and then you've got to go through all this horrendous, you know, was it, uh, injuries, and then not to mention a, uh, a disease, a virus that's literally wiping out, well, killing millions of people now, mm. as you would say. And now you're coming back to fight uh, an absolute killer. Like, this dude is tough as they come. So, for me, I just loved Cody's boxing. And I love how it was his uncle that taught him a lot of it as well. Mm. And his wrestling is just so good. And that's up against a guy like Rob Font, who's got really crisp like kickboxing as well. 
I'm really excited to see uh, these two go out. I believe it's going to be a striking match, but just here's one thing. Uh, Cody, I just hope he's abandoned those old ways of just wanting to, you know, completely scrap. Yeah. yeah. That's cost him a few times. Yeah, I think with, with Cody, I think a lot of people broke down his last win against the Sunsale saying he was still, it was still, you know, chin up, mm. no guard, one one hand, one hitter quitter, mm. just fucking smacks him. And he's got the power. Like, no one, no one's... Saying Cody doesn't have power, he doesn't have speed. That's the that's his main attribute. It's yeah. really fast, crisp boxing, right? But um, I I think the I think the best performance of Cody Garbrandt was not the Sanzal fight. It was his win over Dominic Cruz. Mm-hmm. Just dominate him, just dominate him with the wrestling, the takedown defense, but particularly his movement. In and out, moving around, slipping and moving. He was avoiding punishment. Mm-hmm. I think Cody needs to avoid punishment and just be just old school boxing. You know, I hit you and you don't you don't hit me, right? Um, I think that's when Cody's the best. When Cody starts to get um, a little bit of his ego involved, a little bit, you know, he, get, he starts to get pulled into almost like a... <laughs> almost into just a brawl almost into like a what do you call it um phone booth oh, okay. F- fighting in a phone booth that's what what he tends to do mm-hmm. um he did against tj he wobbled tj and then went to fight uh, and well he wobbled him almost KO'd tj in the, in one of the rounds tj gets up wobbling walks back to his his corner not walking straight they fight again get in into another brawl and Cody's chin doesn't doesn't let up. You know he gets smacked and it get, hits him on the money, and TJ wins the fight. Does the exact same thing in the Pedro Munoz fight. Gets caught into a brawl, and starts to forget those fundamentals because his ego is getting involved. This becomes incredibly reckless. Just a really speed. just a really reckless style. This is a tough fight for him. Rob Font's on a three-fight win streak yeah, against some. Re- he's against Sergio Perez, who is now the uh, is it the PFL yeah, PFL. the P- PFL um, bantamweight champion. Uh, Ricky S- Simone, well, Ricky Simone's a, a really good fighter, mm-hmm. um, and as well as Marlon Marais, who was an ex-title contender for the bantamweight division as well. Here's the weird thing, though. Remember how Cody Garbrandt was meant to drop to flyweight to fight Davison Figueroa? Never, no, that never, and that never fabricated. It was. Covid plus the bicep issue, yeah. Um, and and he just he he plus it's dangerous. It is dangerous. I think he was just doing. I think he was just repeating TJ's mistakes. They they, I think, which they've said, which he doesn't tend to anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is that TJ TJ is kind of a big bantamweight. He actually is a big bantamweight. If you look at him now, you would think he's a, he's actually a lightweight fighter. He's a big guy. Even being ripped, he's got a lot of size on him, right? Yeah. Going down to 125, he looked scary. He looked mm-hmm. like like a bird man. He, he didn't look right. Um, and you just, you just deteriorate yourself. Just because you can make that weight, which he technically couldn't because he was taking EPO to get there. Mm-hmm. But even if you can make that weight that doesn't mean you're healthy that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you can put on your best performance um and i think the same thing was cody with cody like 
moving down to flyweight. I know he's supposed to be a bit lighter than TJ walking mm-hmm. around, and he's quite a small bantamweight. Not a small bantamweight, but he's um he's a small guy. Doesn't his yeah. weight doesn't go up very much, but one twenty five is not right. He can't. He shouldn't move to one twenty five. That's when you, your athletic performance is compromised. I think you should stay a bantamweight. He was the champion of bantamweight. Keep to keep staying a bantamweight. Just. I, I think Cody can be champion again, but he needs to change up. Straight, he just needs to be moving in and out of range. Have just continue that really good footwork and crisp boxing that he has. That same performance that he had with Dominic Cruz, emulate that in the rest of your fights. Is that mine? <laughs> we interrupt this program to be just <laughs> for a phone call. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah, we're back. We're back. Anyway, um, but in terms of in terms of Cody's performances of late, I think he did turn a little bit of a corner with a Sunzal fight, but I don't think it was as drastic as most people think. Yeah, um, I think it was still really reckless. <laughs> it was really, really reckless. Like if Sunzal was just a couple seconds faster, it could have been Cody that was lying flat on the canvas. Yeah. So, um, for me. For me, I think Rob Font will will take it. I think you reckon. I reckon I Cody's going to get this one, but do you <laughs> forgive me by second round knockout? Really, you yeah. think so? <laughs> I just feel like just the way that Cody acted in his last fight, and he just bounced off the cage and just that massive hook. Yeah, I feel like. Mm, there's going to be fireworks between the two. I feel like there's going to be a knockout in the second round. I just feel like everyone knows this within the world, uh, within the MMA world, like that second round so is so deadly and everyone just keeps bringing it up. Like, you know, just not even that, but it's in other organisations as well. Like, mm. um, what's his name? Demetrius Johnson. He lost in the second round. It's just... Something about that round. There's something about 2021. Everyone's... Yeah. Demetrius Don- Johnson gets knocked out. Conor McGregor gets knocked out. Um, Stephen Miocic yeah. gets knocked out. You've got... Uh, yeah. Who else am I thinking of? Uh, Conor McGregor. Mike, Ma- Michael Chandler gets knocked out. Yeah, Michael Chandler. Ho- Jorge Masvidal gets knocked out. It's just... Oh, man. Just 2021's like... Mm. I, I think that... Rob Font will beat Cody. I think Cody, mm-hmm. unless Cody changes his reckless style and he's in and out and using his movement, I feel like Rob Font hasn't tasted that UFC belt mm-hmm. and he's still very hungry and young. And I think, uh, I mean, only being 33 years old, and I think it's just a horror. I think Cody is such a nice guy and he's and he's such a good fighter. Mm-hmm. I just find that the chin's not quite there, and I think he puts it on the line when he doesn't when he gets caught into these brawls. Mm-hmm. I think his movement is the key to winning, mm-hmm. and if he doesn't succeed in the movement, I think Rob Font will beat him. Okay, yeah. yeah. So also on the card we got Edmund Shabazian versus Jack Ransom. Mm. Now Edmund Shabazian, the reason why I like the case of him is because we've got his coach is Edmund. How do you say, pronounce his last name? It's a hard yeah. name to. Pr- it's Ronda Rousey's former coach, yeah. and mentor, and closest friend, and uh, Tavidian, Edmund Tavidian. It's it's a very hard name to pronounce. Yeah. Um, that's why I needed clarification. Um, so 
He was a very, very questionable coach to Ronda Rousey. Um, he, they believed that he was the reason for her demise because he would really hype her up and he would teach her all these boxing techniques that wasn't really like... He would teach her a lot of skills that just weren't... Um, what's the word? What's the word? Uh, what's the way to put it? He would teach her these skills that just did not... Were, were good in theory but not well in practice. And I'd like to see Ed, that this Edmund fight, um, Joshua Fabia. That'd be interesting. Yeah, that's. I think that would be nice. The, yeah. the award, the, self awareness. Yeah, the the award for like worst coach in the MMA. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be nice. Dana White wouldn't mind making that happen because he hates both of them. Yeah, I mean, I uh, mean understand. Sure Dana so. White blamed him for uh, Ronda Rousey's demise as well. A lot of people did. Yeah, I mean the the Ronda's boxing wasn't. Quite, great. it wasn't great, but, but she was, was able, she was able to get by because she was such a high level judo. Yeah, um, it's very, fighter. very overrated stuff. Because there was the point where they went on the Joe Rogan podcast, and then Joe Rogan said, "Oh yeah, your boxing's better, one of the, uh, the best striking ever." And then Edmund said, "Oh, she could probably beat. She spars men, she beats up men." And then I remember someone had a conversation with that. Is that true? And then there was the idea that um, Edmund would apparently. He would force his sparring sparring partners to go light on her Mm. or let her win closer to get up to the fight. That's what I was just told. But he was just a controversial coach because at one point he even filed for bankruptcy. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that. Yeah. So he filed for bankruptcy at one point, even though he was apparently he was getting paid all this money. Mm. It just there was just things in him that just didn't add up. And then he was a very, very controlling demeanor. He had a very, very controlling demeanor as well. Uh, he was, when there was the, what's it called, the Ultimate Fighter mm-hmm. that came on, it was mainly him calling the shots on Ronda's side. And there was even a point where he got in, almost got into an actual fight with uh, Misha Tate's uh, husband. Really? Yeah. So on the season of the Ultimate Fighter, there was a bit of back and forth between the two. And, and then there was one point where Misha Tate's husband put out a tweet. I'm not sure what it was specifically, but it was something to do with Ronda Rousey, and then Edmund just went mad at him, and he said, "Well," and, he, and then um, he was following him around, talking, and then he was like, "Hey, man," and then Edmund at one point said, "Hey, if you want to sell this, this guy in the cage," and he goes, "You know what? Let's go in the fucking cage. Let's go. In, it's right there. Let's go." Mm-hmm. And he grabs and he wants to pull him in, and then Ronda gets in between the two of them, says, "Do it at the right time. Don't do it here. Do it at the right time." He's like, "He wants to go right now. What's wrong right now? No, do it at the right time," and then so on. Well, Edmund's undefeated, two and zero as an MMA fighter. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who did he fight? Some bums, I guess. Yeah, some bums again. Some bums. Re- yeah, but now he's got Edmund. Edmund. Edmund Shabazian. Um, I mean, he's a little prodigy. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that. I think that that's kind of. I mean, it it might be unfair our criticism with Edmund because. As the coach, he wasn't really given his due when Ronda was doing really well. Yeah. And then when she, he d- she did really bad and she kind of had a really big ego but fragile. Yeah. Because when it got popped, her performances dipped. And then she, to be fair, she fought Holly Holm and she fought Amanda Nunes. <laughs> not really the worst fighters in the world to lose, especially not Amanda, right? Yeah, considering so Amanda hasn't lost. But uh, essentially uh, the ego popped. Um, and that's because she was built up by her coach in that way. 
but no one gave Edmund his due when, you know, she won, was winning world titles and things like that. It was just that they thought it was due to Ronda's performance. Um, with Edmund Shabazian, this is a good way to show if he's a good head coach because he's actually a really young guy, um, 23 years old, hot prospect, um, obviously not an already great fighter, yeah. which is what Ronda was before, you know, they or they met, right? Uh, with Edmund, I believe he's 11-1, being uh, he was undefeated before he fought Derek Brunson. Um, I mean, I, d I take Jack Mahomes in this fight. I think Edmund Shabazian is a really is really good on the feet, mm. and if he has um, if he uses his his length really well against Hamans, then it could create issues. But we we know there's a hole in his game, yeah. and uh, you know for Ronda, the hole was big hole was striking, yeah. right? Not and and head movement, like there's there's the the video where it's um where. Edmund, the coach, is going head movement, head movement, yeah. and it's that. Oh shit! Yeah. I should move my head. No shit, Sherlock. Like, but it, it seems like some fundamentals weren't there. And then with mm. Ed, Edmund Shabazian, it looked like some fundamentals weren't there on the ground because yeah. Brunson didn't do much damage when the in terms of strikes, how many he threw on the ground, it was just control, right? He did just barely enough. So that he didn't get stood up, mm. but and he never tried to advance position. But Edmund Shabazi never tried to. It, it, there seems to be a hole in the opposite direction, which is grappling. Mm -hmm. And I think with wrestling and grappling, I think uh, I think that's a hole in his game. And I think being twenty three, he can learn really fast. Yeah, I think he'll learn learn really really fast. It's just can he learn that quickly? Since it wasn't that long ago that he fought Derek Brunson. That true. And also it's a big win for him because every fight you learn something new. Mm. And then he got the young upcoming superstar against a veteran. And then Jack Manson just has got the experience. He's probably got a bigger skill set. That's why I feel like this could be a win for Jack Manson. But at the same time, Edmund Shabazian, this is a win all all around for him. Because you're a young car, you're a young guy. Right future ahead of you. Got all these skills that you need to learn. And then what better way to put him against a good veteran? But not even that. But if he wins, he shoots up quite a bit up the ladder. Jack Manson's in the top 10. Evan Shabazzian. Very uh, We said this last time. Very far discrepancy in terms yeah. of... Uh, yeah, you, it's just weird. fights like this where you got one guy fighting like quite a few spaces down. It's a gamble. It uh, it's it's not win, exactly good for Jack. Yeah. He's taking a lot of risk. Well, because if Jack wins, he doesn't really get like a big name on his resume. But if he loses, he loses so much more. Well, that was like um, Hamzat fighting Leon Edwards. Yeah, that was. It doesn't really. And same with Bilal fighting Leon Edwards. Bilal can fight, can beat Leon Edwards, and immediately be in title contention. But does he deserve it? Probably not. Right. But that's what happens when. People accept a fight for someone that's very far below them. Um, and that might mean that Marvin's very... Uh, sorry, not Marvin. Um, Jack Manson's yeah. very, very keen. He's very confident in his skills. I think that Jack Manson will submit Edmund Shabazian. Mm -hmm. I think he'll submit him in the second round. Second round, madness. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, think, I think Jack is just... 
I mean, the one big name with Edmund Shabazz, our two big names is Brad Tavares mm-hmm. and Derek Brunson, yep. right? Jack Manson has fought Marvin Matori, Kelvin Gaston, Jad Kananir, uh, uh, Jacare Souza, uh, uh, Gerald Merchart, um, Thiago Santos. Yeah, he's, he's fought some big, big names. Anyway. And and speaking of uh, Jacare Souza, because we kind of skipped over it a little bit. Yeah. Um, that was a horrible, horrible oh, arm break. break. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out that his... Um, Turns out it is, I believe it's his, it's not his um, ulna or his radius that it broke because I thought that could be the case. It was actually his humerus that broke. Oh. Um, so his upper arm broke and he's actually going to get surgery for it. So, I mean, Sozo was bouncing back against his fight against um, where we got knocked out by um, Kevin uh, Holland. Mm-hmm. Now with Jackeray, he is... He's a beast, an absolute beast. Uh, coming from strife, being a strike force champion, um, really, really good on the ground as well. And the thing was, before this fight, a lot of a lot of people, and including Joe Rogan, were very skeptical that you know, can you can you submit a Jacare Souza? Is yeah. it really possible yeah. when you know he's beat some he's great? Pedigree. Yeah, he's in beat Gracie. Wrestling and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is phenomenal. And he's got some phenomenal records of like, you know, uh, is it phenomenal uh, knockouts and phenomenal uh, submissions as well. And not even that, he coaches a lot of fighters as mm. well. A lot of them own up to him. Uh, a lot of uh, people travel around the world just to spar with him or even hire him to travel around the world mm. just to have them in their camp. Uh, I was quite surprised though. That, I mean, the thing is with Jacare, since he's 41 now, 42. I thought he was just 40. Yeah, I think he's well, 40s. And you know when... Sorry, no, you're correct. 41. 41. That's old. Yeah. You know when the, when you sit right before the fight, you got the towel, the tape, you got the two statistics. They put the red mark on his age. Mm. They put 41 and... Well, it's si- well, significant. Yeah. And 41 and against a 31-year-old. He was a whole decade older. Jacare, legend... Love you, but he was definitely slowing down. He's definitely he was a little bit. He felt he looked like he was slower. He looked like he didn't look as wild as he used to be. He looked his mm. um his punches were a little bit slower. His kicks were a little bit slower. He wasn't. He just looked slow. Yeah, his reaction times a little bit less. You know, it's just I think that's just why he got him. And Jacare Souza, he's got a few, quite a few losses now. I mean, he's lost quite a few times. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they cut him. Yeah, I wouldn't be. But the thing is, like, here's the problem with this cutting in the UFC right now. Like, wh- there's certain fighters that have got more losses that have been cut for compared to those who've been cut for a lot less. Mm. Like they're saying, oh, why cut Tyron Woodley, who was a top ten? He'd lost a few times, but he was a former champion. But you haven't cut Cowboy Cerrone, who hasn't won since May of 2000. Yeah, it's uh, 19, I think. yeah, it's a bit um unfortunate. I think with the cowboy situation, it's he's saved a lot of cards, yeah. which is why I think Dana is trying to do right by yeah. cowboy. Um, I mean, you make a good point with Jacare because Jacare is now on a four fight losing skid. Is he fighting bums? No, he's fight. He lost Jack Manson, Jack uh, Jan Blackovich, um, 
Kevin Holland and 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 um, Muniz. Now, uh, with Andre Muniz, here's someone to watch. Here's someone to watch because, you know, no one was expecting him to submit someone like Jacare. You know, it was not expected in the slightest. For me, I think we should definitely keep an eye on a guy like that because that's a big feather in your cap. To submit Jacare Souza in the first round and to break his arm, that's insane. And that, you know, being on the prelims, it's not going to get as much uh, media attention. That's how you get more media attention. You yeah. know, you break your opponent's arm and that, that, that was insane. I thought that was incredible. Um, what was funny was Jacare's... Um, Reaction. Reaction. He was so unfazed, but kind of disappointed in yeah. his arm. He was kind of looking at his arm like, oh, no. I'm so disappointed in yeah. you for fucking breaking. Yeah. Like, he was looking at his own arm being upset that it was, it was broke. I don't know. I thought it, I thought it was uh, it was a good fight while it lasted, but he got submitted in that, that last minute of the first yeah. round, and yeah. I did not expect that happening. You yeah. know, it was it was a nice scrambler at the, at the, at the time. You know, he took, got his back taken. But um, got his arm pinned underneath yeah. and snapped. One thing I will agree with you, and it's the same with um on Tony Ferguson. The both two things they one thing they both have in common is that both men they are literally too strong. For their mind is literally too strong for their mm-hmm. own body. If you look at other sports, like don't want to pick on really in sports, but if someone got hit with that amount of force or even half that amount of force, they'd just be out like. Like we see a lot of pick on football players, but football players they do fake a fair bit or flop around a fair bit for the slightest of things. And then you got a guy out here who's forty one years old, way past his prime, gets his arm broken, shakes the hand of the man who broke it mm. <laughs> with the good one, obviously. Yeah. How funny would it be if he actually got that uh put that other hand out like hey <laughs> shakes it straight hand with the broken one, like, Oh, you broke it again. <laughs> How that would have been funny. Yeah. Anyway, so I wanted to ask you, what's the deal with Anthony Johnson going on right now? Um, look, not too sure. With Anthony Johnson, um, apparently there was an issue with some identity theft with a credit card. Mm. Um, and he used that credit card to buy a plane ticket, I think. I believe he, he, he bought a plane ticket. Um, and I don't, I think it was... Not, I don't think it was a stolen credit card, but it was a credit card using it without the use of someone else. So that's probably on the lines of stolen, yeah. yeah. Um, but apparently he was arrested and everyone made a big deal that he was arrested straight like hours after his fight, yeah. which is really sad because, you know, he, he had a comeback win over... Um, Jose, Jose Augusta. Yes. Um, and, you know, f- following that first round where he almost got knocked out, he knocked out Augusta... In um in in the second round, and then hours later doesn't get to celebrate. He gets arrested for you know credit card fraud. Um, really unfortunate because he got blown up all over social media. Was was saying you know Anthony Johnson he's you know he's in jail again, which is unfortunate because um a lot of people have been quick to judge him over the his arrests being you know domestic violence and things like that. But um apparently it was it's a fifty dollar fine. Apparently, it's just a $50 fine, what? slap on the wrist, and they just kick you out. So, a lot of people made a big deal over Anthony Johnson getting arrested. He's over got this a court date, though, at the end of this month. Yeah, he's got a court date, but um, I think that's, I think it's just to settle, like, a $50 fine. <laughs> um, there's hardly anything to it. Um, it doesn't I, make sense. It's not like he doesn't have any money. Yeah, not too sure. Uh, I, I don't really understand. I mean, 
you definitely need a little bit of context behind it, which is, uh, I th- believe, probably the court date. And uh, to be honest, court dates probably work pretty well when you're uh, a well-known fighter because a lot of people uh, are questioning, you know, your character and things like that. And then when he's in there, he can actually tell his story and then that will be broadcast everywhere and they'll be like, oh, it was just da-da-da. But uh, I think more people should know that it's, yes, it was over a credit card fraud and identity theft. However, you know, they made a big deal over him getting arrested. I'm sure he spent very, very little in the police station. Yeah. Um, I'm and pretty sure they were taking photos of him in the police station yeah, as well. Most likely. And uh, $50 fine. It very very simple stuff. Yeah. Um. Don't read every. You know. Don't. Don't accept everything that you read, folks. Yeah. yeah. You don't always trust what you hear. You yeah, yeah. You can't avoid. But. <laughs> all I want to see is I was happy to see Anthony Johnson come back. He just mm. did really really well. I want to see him keep fighting as well. Uh, after this whole thing, this whole matter is, uh, sort of finished. You know. Uh. And. By all means, but he's not his first running with the law. Pardon me, he's been arrested on uh, dom- domestic violence charges. Mm. I think it was settled. In court. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, or settled or it was dropped or he didn't have any jail time for that. But we'll, we'll see how that goes because when he was fighting as Augusto, he was he had that very um, strong mindset where, you know, you don't you want to be humble and defeat, but you also want to criticise your performance in a constructive way. And he was, he was like, ugh. Oh, he was very upset about his performance. Yeah, that and uh, it's a good and a, it's a good and a bad thing because he was dropped at one point. Mm-hmm. He could have lost there and it would have been over, but he pulled through regardless. Uh, because what's going on now, man, is we are seeing all this age, all those fighters that we used to like, love, like when we first started watching UFC when we first started growing up around them. They're all being pushed out now. Ferguson's been pushed out. Jacques Rousseau has been pushed out. Rumble Johnson could potentially get being pushed out. And now we've got the great Anderson Silva, who has finally retired, but he's getting involved in boxing. I don't understand. And he's, d- and he's fighting Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Julio. Julio. Sorry? Julio. Sorry, Julio. And why? Well, it's not his first time boxing. It's not his first time boxing, but why? You don't need this man. I think he just wants to stay active. I think for, for Anderson Silva being a, a proper martial artist, yeah. he, he wants to just be as active as possible. And when you're as active as possible and you no longer be in the UFC, which he enjoys so much, and he's retired from MMA now. He said he's calling MMA quits. Um, he says, like, I think that's the end for me. He's now going to fight Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., um, who is the, the son of the famous mm. um, boxer Julio Cesar Chavez. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, it's going to be, I think it'll be a big sk- spectacle. I hope that it's going to be in front of a big crowd um, and it's not going to be one of these fights where there's no there's no people, it's an empty, you know, live stream event. Um, I mean, Anderson Silva, I believe he's around 38 years old. Um, I actually don't, can you actually check for me what who's, What's the age of um, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr.? Um, because I understand that uh, Anderson Silva wants to move away from MMA, but he wants to still compete in different ways. So he wants to compete in boxing as well as he wants to compete in uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he said, in grappling. So I could definitely see that happening because, um, you know, you can continue to train late, late into 
you know, old age doing uh, grappling and things like that, the one thing you can't do is high-level elite boxing. But I think to do, you know, small professional um, professional bouts. I believe it's eight rounds three and three minutes in duration for each round. Yep. So it's the, these are not... Uh, it's along the lines of exhibition. However, these are not exhibition, you know, rounds. This is a proper fight. Um, I'd love to see. I'd love to see that fight. I mean, Anderson Silva in the boxing ring. Um, he's one and one in box. Sorry, he's one win and one loss in boxing. How long ago were those fights? Good question. Uh, uh, Looking at his boxing record right now, and his last fight. In boxing was in 2005 against Julio Caesar, who's a huh? He's a Jesus. I don't want to say Jesus, but it's pronounced a different way. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. And then he also fought. Who did he beat? Uh, that was who he beat. And he also the first fought he ever had in boxing was 1998, and it was Osmar Luiz Teixeira. Teixeira, believe it or not. But this um Brazilian. Uh, just to back up, Julio uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. He is fifty two and five and one in boxing, and he's thirty five right now. And he was also the middleweight champion one point from two thousand eleven to two thousand twelve, I think it was. And of his last, let's say, of his last five fights, he's had three losses and two wins. So um. When was his last fight? His last fight was in two fa- was last year actually. His win against Jason Minder uh, was actually at the big, the end of last. Um, sorry, sorry, in two thousand twenty. Two thousand twenty. Yeah, last year. So it was at the end of last year. Then before that, he fought a Mario Abel Cesares. Some of his names are hard to pronounce. And he was only eleven and zero. And then he lost to Daniel Jacobs before. But I believe. So uh, essentially, because I just need a little bit of information. So with Julio Cesar Chavez, obviously notably younger than Anderson Silva, um, and his last boxing match was in twenty twenty, and Anderson Silva's last um, last fight was back in um, two thousand and five. Definitely a big discrepancy, um, and it, there's a fifteen year gap in who had their last um, boxing match. Now, with Anderson Silva, I mean, I'm very happy for him to continue to fight and things like that. Um, do I think his chin is the same? No. Do I think he's accumulated a lot of damage? Yes. Um, but would I still you know, watch that fight? Of course I would. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were obviously going to bet on uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. being the, uh, obviously being the son of the very famous boxer, but almost being a acclaimed boxer himself. Um, Anderson Silva being one-on-one in professional boxing. Yeah. Probably not the best in terms of uh, uh, being a betting favorite. Yeah. But but for me, I'm happy to see Silva transition from MMA to boxing um, because this will probably be maybe a one-off, yeah. especially if he loses. And then I could see Silva just competing in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and things just like that. Just cash grab. Yeah, I I don't think it's quite a cash grab. I think it's just enjoying sport and combat and i think that's just his life and i think he as he's aging he's struggling to adapt to uh a new role as perhaps a coach or which he could probably transition to coaching could have been a great grappling coach uh, also just coaching his son his son's getting into mma so um uh, it would be interesting to see 
how that how his transition goes in the future. However, I think this is the only time he's going to box. Um, it's supposedly going to happen in I think June, um, mid June. So, uh, I mean, the obvious favorite is going to be uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. But because obviously we're MMA fans, we're going to be cheering for Anderson Silva. Obviously, yes, we will be, sir. Um, okay, so thank you guys very much for listening. Now, I do want to quickly mention um, we've recently, you know, updated a service. So it's uh, buymeacoffee.com. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, if you want to support the podcast, similar to Patreon, you can jump on and essentially uh, donate how much or well, whatever you prefer, whatever you can, um, just to support the podcast, which will be go to going towards you know uh, updating like the the quality and the performance yep. of of you know each episode and things like audio and visually um and also there's different memberships as well so you can just do one-off payments which means you don't have to actually sign up um um, buy me a coffee but if you do want to sign up you can actually go onto our page which you'll be able to find on our link tree and our instagram as well as in our youtube bio and essentially you go on the membership and we don't have a black belt membership yet but we've got a, a a white um we've got white blue purple and brown mm-hmm. um, and they're all different membership levels so you know depending on which type of supporter you are in terms of the tier you'll obviously be spending a little bit more money per month i think it starts off uh the white belt is i think five dollars a month or something like mm-hmm. that um and, and essentially you're just supporting the podcast and as you go up you get a little bit more perks you know you'll be shout out at the start and the end of the podcast um as well as you know, there'll there'll be different incentives and things like that, which will be like you know you'll you can have Zoom calls with us and have a chat with us. We'll, we'll we might do like uh, live question uh, yeah. questions and answers and things like that, and you'll be able to put your own input in. And um, we're we're just you know playing around with the memberships, but we appreciate every bit of support. So if you do want to support the podcast, buymeacoffee.com um, is the is the site to go, um, and that's just to support us. It was because we've been doing this for almost a year now. And the reason why we wanted to set this up is because we were just, we, we it's not because we feel like we want to be begging you for uh, money and all that. We do this because we want this podcast to grow and we believe the fan base wants it to grow and we want to have as much time as we can to create the best quality content, to create the best quality um like topics and have backgrounds and visuals but all these things they just need a little bit of a push to get there and then that's just what we're trying to do because i mean we would love it to do this full time but eventually we. it's, can't o- it's obviously unmonetized at this point and i think yeah. and i think just like a little a tiny bit of support would yeah. definitely be appreciated so we could put even more time and effort into this and make the content a lot more quality yeah just if you've got some spare change yeah. if you can if not then that's cool too you can continue to support the podcast in different ways we, um we just genuinely appreciate and every support i think yeah i mean we've come up to, come up to a full year now well over 70 episodes we're going to keep going. We're doing one our weekly episode. We're also going to be doing our interviews, you know, all that per week. Yeah, and hope, and then hopefully one day we're going to look back at this and say, damn, it w- if it wasn't for the love and support of you guys, we wouldn't be where we are today. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. other than Appreciate that, guys, it very much, guys. Catch ya. Bye-bye. All the, all the best. Bye-bye.